Mars, here I come. What the heck? I, what's going on? Shut up. Where's that blue button? Connecting to OnStar. Welcome to OnStar. This is Sean speaking. How may I help you? Sean, this is Carson Napier, and I need help. Once I disconnect, your OnStar call will end, and turn-by-turn navigation will begin. Now that's what I'm talking about. Get me to Mars, son. Directions are now being sent to your vehicle. Thank John Cobby. Turn right onto Rivard Boulevard. Uh, say again? Turn right onto Rivard Boulevard. For the love of Mike, there ain't no boulevards in space, you damn fool. Turn right onto Kerchival Avenue. You have left the planned route. Do you need directions to get back on route? I'm listening now. Please say yes or no. Look at him, he's heading for that small moon. Okay. Recalculating your route. 115 Kerchival Avenue is on the left. Dayline Jessum is next on the Gridley Wave Network. <sighs> Venus, here I come. Chicago Bureau of the Boston Man Blade. Dateline Jason. A Panther Press production. For fans of Edgar Rice Burroughs and Pulp Adventure. Here's your host, Elmo. Welcome to show number 40. During the convention, I uploaded a quick interview that I did with the dum-dum guest of honor, Richard Hescox, who is the artist on a number of the Carson paperback books. Stay tuned for a Dateline Jazz Zoom special report. From the 2007 Dum Dum in Louisville, Kentucky. Okay, we're here at the 2007 Dum Dum with Richard Hescox. Uh, and uh, Richard, why don't you tell us your contribution that all of us have been looking here at here here today in the Huckster Room? Uh, well, my contribution to the world of Edgar Rice Burroughs is that um, I was fortunate enough to get the assignment to do the covers for the five Venus novels by Burroughs uh, when Valentine Del Rey was doing reprints back in the early 90s. Right, right. And I think I heard you saying yesterday that you had been reading Burroughs for a long time before that. Uh, just give me a little background on that, how your first introduction to Burroughs. Yeah, certainly. I uh, I started reading, I discovered Edgar Rice Burroughs when I was about oh, around 11, and which is probably the perfect time to, to, to discover his books. And um, as soon as I read one, I was, you know, in love with with that kind of that story, and started looking for more, and kept discovering more and more 
because I had no idea what he had written, and right. I kept discovering new series and, and reading and reading until I uh, collected and read just about everything he did. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was through my teenage years. Yeah. And uh, then, having run out of books to read, I you know, uh, you know, was following my career path towards becoming a professional artist and always had in the back of my mind that uh, I sure wish I'd get the chance to illustrate Right. Burroughs books, but uh, so pre- so did you actively pursue the opportunity to professionally illustrate Burroughs, or how did that just come about? Well, I I would have pursued it, except the opportunity is just not there. They don't come up for reprint very often. You know, once at you know at, at most once a decade, mm-hmm. and uh, not even that sometimes. And uh, beyond the fact that they're rare coming up. Uh, what I found out was there was going to be a lot of competition for it because just about every artist I knew loved Burroughs and wanted to do it too. Uh, Dave, uh, Dave Mattingly got to do the Lucidar series uh, when they finally did uh, Del Rey was reprinting them. And he confided to me that if he could swing it, he wanted to convince them to let him do all the books. Mm-hmm. But uh, Bur- uh, Del Rey and, and Burroughs decided they wanted a different artist for each series. So mm-hmm. uh, they, they started farming them out. And again, I was lucky enough to, to be in the right place at the right time to get that assignment. What was what was interesting or challenging about Carson? And and we're looking at at some of, at, at the illustrations you've done here for Carson. What was there anything that was a particular challenge for you, or, or what were you intrigued by, or, or what was just fun, I guess, about doing it? Well, what I was intrigued by was uh, the qu- a quality that's in actually all of Burroughs' books to more or less extent, but is very high in the Venus series, and that is um, he's a very visual writer, and he describes things well. Some Some authors that I've illustrated for maybe are good writers and maybe have good stories, but they just don't describe anything. Now that leaves me free to do to, to illustrate it any way I want, but too much freedom is, is, is a little unstructured and, and daunting. Burroughs, on the other hand, gave very clear descriptions of his things in his, in his attempts to make the world seem very alien and strange, and, and that was great. Uh, there was enough leeway around his descriptions to push it a little further here and there and, 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 and do what I wanted to with the things that he did not describe specifically. But there was also a big structure of, of, of creatures and architecture and, and colors and, and costumes that he had described that uh, gave me something to play against with my own imagination. Mm-hmm. And I think someone asked you this and you were having a hard time with it. Is, is there a particular uh, cover for Carson? That, that you enjoyed or or, or like the most yourself? Yeah, uh, having struggled with it the other day in the, in the mm-hmm. talk we you were at, uh, I guess the the one I like the best of all the five that I did is the cover for Escape on Venus, and the reason for that not only is because it came out uh, the way I wanted it to as closely as as, as they ever come out, and uh, uh, but also because it. it, it depicts the scene of the land battleships that, uh, that uh, again, Burroughs had wonderfully described, mm-hmm. but I was able to come up with my own designs based on, on his starting point, and, and I really liked the way they turned out. And mm-hmm. those, That was one of the images from originally reading the stories when I was young that had always hung in my mind, and I knew 
if I ever got the chance to do Venus, I was going to do the land battleships. Mm-hmm. Now, do you um, do you come to other science fiction conventions or things? That have you, I'm sure you've been to other conventions. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm just kind of curious what you think of of the interaction you get at at the Burroughs convention. Uh, is there anything maybe different about Burroughs fans? Well, there, there is. There, yeah, there is difference. Uh, at a science fiction convention a general science fiction convention. There's a lot more people. It's a much bigger yeah, convention, sure. usually. Yeah. Um, but, again, because this is a Burroughs convention, everybody here is very tightly focused on their, their, their area of interest. And since I have uh, brought my Burroughs work here, I'm getting a great response from the people. I'm talking to people a lot, and, and we're sharing uh, you know, our common love of, of Edgar Rice Burroughs. And, uh, so it's a lot more personal and friendly and and communicative than than a more impersonal large convention is. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's it's a, you know you, you you throw on terms like you know it's more family like yeah. and it's but it is a small intimate group that that all loves the same thing. Okay, well that's great. Um, do you have a, a website or anything like that so uh, people can go? Yeah, I have actually two websites at the moment. I've got my fantasy science fiction art website. Mm-hmm. Which is uh, com. Okay. And then I have another website that's dedicated to some. In recent years, I've been doing uh, fine art stuff like portraits oh, okay. of, of people. Mm-hmm. And so I, the, I just have a website uh, set up for that, which is just heskoxfineart.com. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. All right, well, thanks very much for sitting down with me. I enjoyed talking to you. Sure, I enjoyed it. <laughs> I wanted to play for you now his speech at the Dum Dum Banquet, which I found very interesting, and I hope you will too. We call it the Golden Lion Award, and it's for people who have done something really great to promote the name of Edgar Rice Burroughs. And uh, our guest speaker tonight is the winner of the Golden Lion Award, Richard Hescox. Please come forward. You guys should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> Causing this embarrassment. Uh, I'm very pleased that, uh, that I got invited here this, uh, this year. My first dum-dum. Hopefully it won't be my last. Uh, I've heard about this uh, gathering for many years and always thought it would be a great thing to to attend. And, and to come here and then get an award, it, it seems that uh, what I've heard about the people is, is true. You're all crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you very much. Um, is this one I'm supposed to speak, by the way? Oh, okay. Thanks for surprising me, so. <laughs> anyway, when, uh, as I said before, I'm, I'm very pleased to, to be here and, and, and grateful that, uh, that I was invited. Um, when George told me that I had to give a speech, I, of course, panicked and uh, wondered what I, would, what I would talk about. Uh, I have nothing profound to say, but... I wanted at least it to be possibly entertaining. So the only thing I could think of was to tell you uh, not only how I, I came to, to illustrate 
the Burroughs Venus novels, which is the reason I'm here, but also to tell you how Edgar Rice Burroughs came to touch and influence my life. Um, I would have been probably an illustrator had it not been for my love of Edgar Rice Burroughs. Um, the story starts around the beginning of uh, the early 1960s. Um, now, before that, I'd seen many Tarzan movies, most of the Johnny Weissmuller ones and some of the other ones that were on TV in my youth. But being a stupid little kid, I thought, uh, I thought movies just came out of Hollywood. It never occurred to me that anybody had written them. So I never paid any attention to the credits, and I had no idea that uh, a person named Ed Rice Burroughs existed. Uh, I just knew Tarzan. I loved Tarzan. I loved those movies. And I saw everyone time after time, and I couldn't wait for Weissmuller's yell to ring out because that was really my favorite moment in the, in the film. Um, but a little later on, I, I, I discovered Edgar Rice Burroughs, and, and that moment is truthfully uh, seared into my memory. Um, not because it was so profound at the time, but I, I thought back on it many, many times and just uh, memorized every detail of it. Uh, and it was simply this, that I was about 11 years old, and my older brother, who was a science fiction fan, came back from the library one day, and uh, as he was wont to do, he had picked up a big stack of paperback books of any new science fiction book that was on the racks there that, that he hadn't read. And he'd just grab a bunch and start reading them and, and continue on with the, the authors he liked. Um, and I was standing in my mother's kitchen, and I could still see the scene, and he walked in with them and, and of course, let me, let me see what he brought home. Uh, and I, I guess I did, wasn't consciously aware of it at that time, but later I became aware of it that I was a very visually oriented person. I was very interested in imagery. So the, the most important thing to me when I saw the books was to look at the covers. And I cannot tell you what any of the <coughs> covers or any of the books were that he brought home except one. And it had Roy Crankle's image of, of the, the Angans of Venus carrying uh, Duari away uh, on Pirates of Venus from the new uh, Ace editions that were just being released at that time. And I thought it looked like a great cover. It looked like it was going to be an interesting story, so I, I chose that one to read. And uh, by the time I was finished, I was sort of astounded because a number of new ideas about, about enjoying literature had been opened up to me. Um, one, it was a good story. Okay, we all know that. It was a good adventure, but beyond that, um, I was intrigued by the framing device that, that Ed Rice Burroughs used, where he claimed the story was true and given to him, and he was just reporting it to us. And if you, if you start reading Ed Rice Burroughs at, at that young of an age, you could almost believe it. And I remember reading his other framing devices on other stories and, and wondering, wait a minute, is Pellucidar real? I mean, is he getting this stuff reported back by Gridley Wave? And, and, and you know, am I missing something here? But uh, another thing that came out of reading that first book, Pirates of Venus, was um, the wonderful sense of description, visual description that Dead Rice Burroughs had. He really brought the worlds to life for me. 
uh, he described things so well uh, and differently. Everything was new and strange. And the last kind of revelation that came reading it was was both positive and, and, and negative. It was he left me with a cliffhanger, <laughs> and that that so irritated me because I just had to know how the story continued. And so after being frustrated for a while, I, I um, started looking around and reading more, and, and, and I, I realized, oh, there's, there, there's, uh, there's sequels. There's more to this story. So that became uh, my primary goal at that time in my life was to hunt up new Edgar Rice Burroughs books. And, of course, they were just being released. So I had to hunt the bookstores over and over again and looking for new titles. And every time I saw that, that really distinctive typeface that Ace was using for the, the Burroughs novels back then, I'd say, oh, there's a new one. And I'd be thrilled at a new chapter. And I'd, I'd be doubly thrilled if I found a book that was in a brand new series I'd never heard of before. I, I realized that this man had written on a number of different planets and, and, and lost civilizations. And, and uh, I had plenty more to read. Mm -hmm. Um, so I spent uh, my summers uh, digging up these books and reading them, uh, loving the covers. Uh, I remember you know, being just enthralled by Roy Frankel's sense of design, his decorative design on his architecture and machinery and, and costumes. And of course, I, I, I love the, the, just the, the raw heroic power of Frank Frazetta's <coughs> illustrations. And uh, when I got around to seeing the Ballantine Mars books too, I uh, I loved the graphic clarity that that, that uh, uh, Robert Abbott was using on his illustrations, and I thought that his design for the Martian Flyers was the most elegant and best I'd ever seen. I, I just loved those those uh, uh, machines he created. But anyway, so uh, I would read these books, and I found myself. Each time a new scene would come up, visualizing in my mind what it looked like and, and sort of visualizing how I would do it if I had been Frazetta and, and had gotten the job to illustrate these. And it never occurred to me that I would have the chance to, to illustrate them uh, because uh, Frazetta and Crackle had already done it, so you know, they didn't need any more covers. Um, but I, it really inspired me to think uh, of creating pictures. I mean, I, I had already... I was known around my school as being the best drawer of dinosaurs, and people would always ask me to draw them for them. Um, but it hadn't occurred to me that I could make a career out of art. Uh, but it, when I got into high school um, and took art classes, my, uh, my teacher began to notice my talent and, and encouraged me and helped me along. And uh, I realized that it was a direction I could go in, uh, still despairing that there were no more Burroughs books to illustrate because they'd all been done. Um, so I, I uh, continued studying art, and uh, I, uh, I took the National Merit Scholarship qualifying test in high school, and, and I uh, managed to get in the top 5% in the country with my grades. So I won a scholarship to the school of my choice. So I chose uh, the Art Center College of Design, which was in Southern California, where I lived at that time but also was, had a reputation as one of the best art schools in the country. And um, just, just, uh, just 
for your information, some of the other people that were going to that school around the same time, although I really didn't bump into them when I was there, but Michael Whalen went there, and uh, David Mattingly went there, and uh, Jim Gurney, who, who did the Dinotopia books, went there, and uh, quite a few other very successful artists and illustrators, and possibly some other Burroughs artists, uh, but I'm not really familiar with if they did or not. But it certainly could have been, because it was one of the best illustration schools around. Um, so <clears throat> I graduated from school with what I thought was the skills to become an illustrator, um, and I started looking around for work. And I wound up uh, getting a job at the Museum of Natural History in Los Angeles. And uh, there were so many things at that museum that reminded me of, of the details that, that Burroughs had used in, in, in his books. And there was dinosaurs, and there was bones, and ape men, and, and fossils, and mummies, and, and just all kinds of strange things. And, and of course, the museum itself was, was filled with hidden tunnels and, and all kinds of mysterious places to explore. Um, spent more time goofing around doing that than actually working there. but. Uh, uh, one of the things I actually got to do when I was at the museum was uh, I got sent over to Forrest J. Ackerman's house. I assume most of you know who Forrest J. Ackerman is. And I uh, got sent over to his house because our museum owned the models from the Lost World and King Kong, and they were on loan to Forrest uh, on a long-term loan. And so every couple of years somebody had to go over and check on their, their state. So I was sent over to his house to, to check on the models, but I wound up being exploring his house for, for hours, looking at his collection of everything in the world. Um, anyway, so after working at the museum for a while, I, I, I was practicing my artwork and, and making up a portfolio and started to just barely started to get work. And I decided it was time to, to move on to my real career, which is going to be illustration. So I quit the museum and, and started doing illustration work around Hollywood. I worked on a number of motion pictures and motion picture advertising and, and pick up basically any job that came along. And I, I uh, met other artists and one of the things that, that struck me was of all the creative people I was meeting, there was art artists and writers and script writers and comic book writers and everything, how many of them were Ed Rice Burroughs fans? Almost every good illustrator that I knew when you brought up Ed Rice Burroughs said, oh yeah, he's my favorite author too, I love that, you know. And, and of course, we all said, oh, "Man, I wish we could illustrate Edgar Rice Burroughs," but you know, the books don't come up that often. And and I came to realize that that, that really, um, <coughs> there wasn't much chance to illustrate Edgar Rice Burroughs. The reprints would come out at most once a decade, and worse than that was every artist I knew wanted to do them, so there was going to be you know, intense competition. So I gave up on, on my dream of, of, of illustrating Burroughs and just went on being an illustrator. And I, I joined a studio. Uh, me and some other artists got together. We rented a studio in, in Hollywood. I got together with Bill Stout, whom I think all you all know from previous Dum Dums, and with Dave Stevens. And we shared a studio together for a number of years in Hollywood and feeding off of each other's you know, enthusiasm and, and helping each other and giving suggestions and learning from each other. And as I was trying to make a living there and getting a few jobs, I had a lot of downtime, and I'd sit around the studio with them. And uh, to fill in the time, I thought, well, maybe I should do some Edgar Rice Burroughs illustrations of my own. 
And I started working on a series for, of all things, the Venus series. And I reread the books at that time and, and started doing drawings of the various creatures and then <laughs> the, the, the Anotar and then the cities and everything. And I had great plans for doing this set of, uh, of paintings, but it wound up never going anywhere except for a few early drawings uh, and some ideas in my sketchbook. Uh, I finally wound up getting busy enough that I didn't have that much spare time. I was working, you know, 20 hours a day and sleeping an hour on a couch and getting up in the middle of the night to continue painting the next day and, and uh, turning in stuff and getting another assignment right away. Uh, so it was pretty hectic working, at, as I'm sure Danny knows, kept in a different career <coughs> in Hollywood. Hollywood is full of crazy people. and. Uh, it was interesting and fun, but, but uh, working in the motion picture industry, as, as periphery as I was as, as an advertising artist, was, was just, it was killer. Um, so anyway, I also was segueing at that time into paperback books. I had a few uh, assignments from Donald Wolheim, who was one of the greatest people in, in, in science fiction publishing. <coughs> um, he didn't pay very much, but he was always willing to take on new artists and, and give them their chance. And beyond that, he was willing to keep feeding them jobs as they were learning how to paint. And that's really where I learned how to paint paperback covers was for him. I did a lot of bad ones first and then I did some mediocre ones and he kept paying me. And finally I started doing good ones. And, and with that, he started raising my rates and, and giving me more assignments. And that gave me the confidence to go to other companies and, and start illustrating for them. And plus I had published works from Daw Books, so uh, uh, that made my portfolio more impressive. Um, so one of the best companies to work for at that time was Del Rey Valentine. And uh, they paid supposedly the best. Uh, but they were also hard to get into. So I put together my portfolio and sent it to them. And I got back my uh, my uh, Turn down notice that I thought was a little subtly rude. It, it basically said, uh, "Thank you for submitting your samples. Good luck with your career elsewhere." <laughs> <laughs> so I went on working for the other companies that were my clients and uh, got still tried to practice and get better. And a few years later, luckily, I. I um, I had the guts to, to try it again. I sent another portfolio to them. And this time, they gave me a good response and said that they'd start giving me work. So I started getting a few assignments from Del Rey, which basically relates to being in the right place at the right time, because very shortly, a year or two after I started working for them, uh, the, 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 re the, the Burroughs reprint started to come on the scene. And I hadn't even heard about them, and I got a call from David Mattingly, my friend, and another illustrator in New York, and he told me that uh, he had gotten his dream project. He was going to illustrate uh, the Pellucidar series. And uh, he also told me something else, which I realized was his subtle uh, political ploy to get me out of the way. He said uh, how they were planning on giving each series to a different artist, but he was going to talk to, to them and try to convince them to give him every single book to do. <laughs> and this was supposed to dissuade me from, from trying myself, but it did not work. 
so I went, uh, I uh, had to talk to Don Munson, who was the art director at Del Rey at that time, and uh, about one of the other projects I was already working on, and I just dropped it that, oh, you know, by the way, if, if any Burroughs books come up, you know, I'd, I'd really like a chance to do some. And uh, he said, oh, really? And, and oh, I'll think about it. And, and shortly after that, he contacted me again and said, well, we've got the Venus series. Would you like to do that one? And, of course, I took it. I did not tell him that I'd already started working on the illustrations years before in my studio. <laughs> and that uh, of all the series of Burroughs, probably that was going to be my favorite one to take if offered. Um, not that I didn't like all the other series. I did. I loved them all. But they were all visually imaginative. But I always thought the Venus one was the most interesting visually uh, and visually different than, than all the other ones uh, with a, a world completely covered with clouds that nobody could even knew the rest of the solar system existed and and uh, of course the weird beast and the fluorescent uh, ground that lit up in, at the night uh, times you could see um, so anyway I was uh, I was very pleased to get that one and uh, started working on it immediately um, they didn't have, man, usually they send me manuscripts, which would be a bunch of unbound pages of, of the entire book of, of whatever I was going to illustrate. But this time, because uh, they were already published books, they, uh, they were going to just send me copies of books. And I said, well, I've got my set, so I'll, I'll just reread those. So, which was kind of a mistake, because I wound up ruining my entire set of Venus books during the process. Uh, I immediately went home and started reading them again to re-familiarize myself with everything. And as I got to the first visual details, I realized, well, I've got to remember that. So I started underlining it in the book. And, and so pen marks and, and, and notations started appearing all through my books. And, and, and I realized it was a choice between doing that and, and getting the details right or, or keeping my books in good shape. So I sacrificed them. You put them up at auction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a messed up book that you guys can put on. Um, so I went through and, 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 and noted down every single detail I could. Um, and I was interested, uh, some years later, I, I read in, in the Burroughs Bulletin, I think it was an uh, article on, on uh, French Schoonover, who also done, did some uh, illustrations long ago. And he was talking about his working procedure. And he was talking about going through and picking out, making lists of all the details of costume and all the details of uh, physical books and all the details. And, and it, it just struck me as it was exactly the same procedure that I had been using and, and that he, you know, 50 years earlier was, was doing, doing it the same way. Um, so anyway, so I uh, started to gathering all the, all the uh, details together. And meanwhile, I was talking with Del Rey about the project. And, and aside from the fact that they were going to give each series to a different artist, they also wanted each series to have a series look. And they wanted each series look to be different. So for example, Dave Mattingly's idea, and they accepted it, was to do one long mural for all six books and then chop the mural up into six covers. So if you take all of the book covers he did and line them up side by side, it makes one long picture. And uh, Barclay Shaw, who got to do uh, some of the Tarzan books, he got a real tough assignment. His series look was to be an extreme down shot uh, with a square border and certain elements like branches or monkey's paws or whatever sticking out of the square border. And it worked great on the first 
book or two, but then uh, Extreme Downshots after that got a little repetitious and really limited what he could do. So he like was he got a really bad uh, <laughs> a bad uh, job to do. Um, so they were looking around for a uh, look for my series, and I you know, was going to do some sketches of the first book, Pirates of Venus, and and they couldn't think of something to do, so they said, just do some sketches, and we'll kind of like work it out from what you've done and, and figure it out. So I started to do the first Venus book, uh, the first sketches for, for Pirates of Venus, and I sent in three different images, and they finally decided, okay, here, here's what we've decided. Uh, every other cover so far, the, the Tarzan and the, and the uh, uh, Pellucidar one, they said, Edgar Rose's name is very important. It's going to be bigger on the cover than anything else. So usually we would leave a third of the, the top kind of blank for the title, and this time it was they needed a full half of it for all this type. And because of that, they wanted the imagery to actually be limited into a confined area. So the, this band of moves <laughs> that, uh, that Manley did were just went across a portion of the cover. And the, the square box boxed in Marcus Shaw's ones. So um, I sent in these images, and actually I got, they complimented me. They said, you know, these are really beautiful. We've decided to give you a full bleed cover. So the image goes to the edge. Um, and so we designed them that way, and they said, we're just going to have a key line, a little black line showing the kind of square of the central area, so just keep all the important stuff inside that square, but everything will go out. And I painted a bright orange sky uh, for the clouds on one of my sketches, and that was the one they decided to go with uh, for Pirates of Venus. And they said, okay, and it's kind of an upshot, so we want your look to be an upshot of all the characters slightly looking up, so they look heroic, uh, full bleed, and we want colorful skies like you've done here, and we want a different color for every every book. Um, so they said we so they decided to, to just turn me loose on this. But again, you know, I had all the other books to do, and I started looking at them. And again, I, I went back to them for all the details, and I said, okay, what color are the skies in Venus? Because they wanted these brightly colored skies. They'd done a bright orange one. And so I went through and picked up every reference to the clouds of Venus. And the totality of it in all the five books was that they were gray. <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I had read the books and I remembered how brightly colored I had imagined Venus. And this came, of course, from the fluorescent ground and the mauves and blues and turquoises of the, of the plant life. But um, my impression of it being colorful didn't extend to the sky. So I, I, I you know, mold about that, but we'd already decided to do them that way, and I thought they'd make better covers with brightly colored clouds, so I figured uh, Burroughs hadn't mentioned it when the sky turned bright orange and <laughs> looking the other way and hadn't written about it. So anyway, so I started working on the color sketches, and uh, of all of them, the one thing I knew I was going to illustrate, and I'd known for the last you know, 20, 30 years, was that I was going to paint uh, the land battleships from Escape on Venus, because that was the one scene from all the books that had been most vividly impressed on my mind, and I knew that if I got a chance to illustrate them, I was going to make sure that the cover would have that on it. Um, so I worked on the, on the, the, the sketches, and with the, the method, the, the series look that we'd all agreed upon, and I sent them in, and they got all, they, they picked the one from each book that they were going to use and sent them back, and I started working on it. And uh, so the first thing I did was I had to find Carson. And just by chance, I was working, I'd recently been working at a, an animation company, and one of the other artists there was this uh, very handsome 
man with uh, long golden hair down to his shoulders who worked out and was buff, and uh, he was just the perfect Carson of Venus, I thought. So I had him come over, pose for me, and took lots and lots of pictures and, and all the poses I needed for my sketches. And uh, uh, before I had him come over, I had to build the costumes because those were well described by Burroughs. And I, uh, I went down to the garment district in Los Angeles and went to all the different stores looking for uh, brightly colored cloth. They had the sheet of tarl for the, the, the silk of the, the targo spider on, on Venus. And I looked for all kinds of bits and pieces of jewelry that I could stitch together into things. I took old leather purses and cut them up into odd shapes so I could make the, the, the leather strappings and harnesses. And I put it all together on a mannequin dummy, and then I brought my models over. I, I, I also found a very good-looking uh, girl to play, Duari, and um, posed them and uh, put the costumes on them. And of course, I had to imitate the overcast, cloudy sky of, of uh, Venus in my pictures. So I had uh, I had the lights in my studio pointed up at the white ceiling, whitely painted ceiling, and then softly reflecting back on top of the figures as if it was you know, filtered daylight coming down on top of them instead of having a strong um, floodlight on them like I would have for uh, any of my other covers. Um, so I took all that reference material and started working on the paintings. And uh, uh, one, one problem I came out with is in terms of the colors, we wanted a different color sky for each one. It was meant that when I did my first sketches for the first book, I could choose any color I wanted. But once they'd chosen the orange one, I couldn't use orange anymore. So I choose for the second book, I did cover sketches that have all the remaining colors on them. And then one got chosen, and that one was axed out. So finally, when I got to um, Wizard of Venus, it's like all I had left was a red sky, and that was the only color I could use. So I didn't have much choice at that point, and it got a little limiting, but I had to make it work. So uh, that's why if you look at the color sketches, uh, there, if you looked at the color sketches I had in the dealer's room there, most of them which were later in the series, were we tended to be purple and, and, and red because those were the only colors I had left available to me by the time I was doing them. So um, I started working on, on the finished paintings and I decided that uh, quite long, since I got the assignment, I knew that I was going to put more work into these than I did on any other book covers I did because the, one, these were the most important ones to me and I had to do a good job, but two, I was going to be competing with Frank Frazetta and, and, and Roy Krenkel and I didn't want to come off badly. So uh, <coughs> I decided to uh, put as much effort and work in as I could and took as much care with the design of everything, the land battleships and the costumes and every little detail. And um, I came up with the, the five illustrations and sent them <coughs> off and I was about as proud of those as anything I've ever done in my career. I think that they're about the best illustrations for book covers that I've ever done. Um, so I sent them off and waited for the, the, the six months or whatever it was going to take before they were published and I got my proofs back, uh, which is when the problems started appearing. Uh, the, the most obvious one was that uh, they decided, even though everything was clearly labeled, they decided to switch the cover paintings from Lost on Venus and Carson to Venus. So. Uh, none of the, neither of those two covers match what goes on in the book. 
Uh, secondly is after they promised me full bleed coverage, they decided, no, we're going to crop it down to this little square and, and uh, lose most of the sky and lose most of the outside detail so that on the, 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 the picture that appeared on lots of me is that should have appeared on Carson Venus and shows them on, on the back of a, what did we decide the beast was? Gantor. Gantor. Um, they were riding on a Gantor in a parade. And I had lovingly painted an entire crowd watching the parade of several hundred Venusian people. And because they crossed into the square, the entire crowd was gone. And all you could tell was these two people were riding on top of a Gantor alone going down a street. So that, that didn't make me very happy. Um, but other than those two problems, uh, they still, I thought, because of the strength of the illustrations I had done, not to toot my own horn here, but like I said, I was real proud of them. Um, I thought they still read fairly well, even with a small size, even without all the extra detail, but without the rest of you were missing. Uh, but I was very pleased with them. And, you know, I would have liked to have gone on to do other Burroughs stuff, but as I said, their decision had been different artists for every series. So that was, that effectively axed me out of any more of the reprints. And, um, but I had to be grateful for doing the Venus ones that I did. Um, I've gotten, in those years since, I've gotten a lot of good comments from people, especially from other Burroughs fans who, who have made, uh, who have thought that the job I did was, was pretty good. I mean, they don't tell me whether I'm better or worse than Frazetta, but you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll leave that to history. Um, I mean, I still one of my absolute favorite Venus illustrations is the, is the Carson and Venus one that Frazetta did. I'm never gonna ever think I'd, I'd surpass that one. Um, but uh, as I said, I've, I've gotten a lot of good comments from it, and I've, I've felt vindicated that I was able to put my best work into it. And. So in conclusion, I guess, uh, as I said, the, the, these, these paintings were a, a labor of love. I was preparing for them for 20 or 30 years before I got to do them. And uh, it just seemed a wonderful twist of fate that I was offered, in the right place at the right time, and offered that particular series. And I think I did, like I said, the best covers I've ever done, and it was a labor of love. And I'm, I'm especially proud that I was able to join the very limited uh, but immortal ranks of artists that have been allowed to illustrate uh, the works of Edgar Rice Burroughs. I thank you. That's going to do it for show number 40. Thanks for joining me. And uh, I'd like to thank Richard Hescox for his talk at the Dum Dum Banquet this year. Very good job, uh, Richard. And uh, excellent, excellent work on those Carson uh, covers, which we got a chance to see firsthand at the banquet. I'd also like to thank Carson Napier and the OnStar Network for their appearance at the beginning of the show. Carson... I hope you find your way. I'll talk to you in two weeks. This is Elmo from the Barsoomian Blade Bureau in Chicago, signing off. (laughs) 
You have left the planned route. Do you need directions to get back on route? I'm listening now. Please say yes or no.